and welcome back to Of Idiots and Intellects. I'm here today with Brian, Brandy, Hello. Brandon, Belinda, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> Baloney, Baloney. <laughs> um, and today we're going to be talking about captive marine mammals. So like SeaWorld, marine attractions, stuff like that. Um, so everyone knows what SeaWorld is pretty much. Have you yeah. ever been to SeaWorld? I have not. I've okay. been to the one in Chicago. Like the Shedd Aquarium? Yeah. Yep. I was actually going to ask about that. If I could somehow magically get us like a behind the scenes tour, would you go film it with me? Oh yeah. For yeah? sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, do you want to tell us about SeaWorld a little bit? Sure. Uh, so SeaWorld is widely recognized as the leading marine life theme park brand in the world. SeaWorld offers numerous animal encounters, including the opportunity to work with trainers and feed marine animals, as well as theme thrill rides and shows that creatively incorporate one-of-a-kind animal collection. Yeah. Um, my mom said that they took me to SeaWorld Ohio before it closed, because I think there's just the three locations left, Orlando, San Antonio... Does that yeah, sound familiar? Yeah, I think so. And then I think there's one in California yet. Is there? San Diego, maybe? I don't know. It is Sealand? Sealand? Sea so there was... Sealand is um, Canadian, I think. Oh, okay. Um, but at the bottom of the SeaWorld's homepage, there's an image that says 36,000 plus rescues. Their rescue program includes rehabilitation and releasing injured, sick, or orphaned animals. Um, but today we're going to be talking about the ones that remain in captivity for our entertainment, because it's kind of dark. It's sad. It gets very dark very fast. Um, the 2013 film Blackfish shed some new light on marine attractions, and the 2013 CNN documentary centers around Tilikum, which was an orca that had caused three human deaths during his time in captivity. And he was captured in Iceland in 1983. A year later, he was sent to Sealand of the Pacific in Victoria, British Columbia in Canada. So, he, uh, <laughs> he had a rough start. Traveled a lot. Yeah. Uh, he and two other whales were kill had killed a 21-year-old marine biology student and part-time trainer by the name of... Kelty? Kelty? That's a... That's a very Irish sounding name. Like Kelsey, but. But kilt ish. Yeah. The three whales grabbed her when she slipped and fell into the pool and kept dragging her around the enclosure. She had resurfaced three times before they kept her under long enough to drown her. It took a couple of hours for staff and rescue teams to recover her body. Oh, Sealand was closed about a year later. So that was in Sealand. Yeah. Um, and then he was transferred to SeaWorld Orlando in 1992, which was almost exactly a year after the incident. Um, I think he arrived at SeaWorld Orlando in February, and the incident had happened in like January the year before. So it was oh. almost exactly a year. Yeah. Um, so the second death caused by this whale was that of Daniel Dukes a 27-year-old guy who stayed after the show and evaded security until SeaWorld's gates were closed. 
He then, for some godforsaken reason, stripped down to just his underwear and then entered Tillicum's tank. Um, in the morning, the staff found him dead, draped over the orca's back with numerous contusions all over his body, which I don't know how he would get onto the whale's back in a shallow sleeping tank. That's weird to me, but whatever. Um, and although there were security cameras in place to monitor the orca's well-being, SeaWorld claimed that the event was never captured on film. If there's all these cameras yeah, around, right. that'd be... That's uh, very fishy, if I mm-hmm. may. Go on. <laughs> um, so his parents filed a lawsuit against SeaWorld, but then they later just withdrew it. No further questions. So that whole situation was kind of weird. It's weird, yeah. Um, the third and final death was 40-year-old SeaWorld trainer Dawn Branchiao. Branchiao. Um, she had worked with this specific whale extensively, and during a show, Dawn had just pet Tilikum on the nose and then turned away, but while her back was turned, um, he grabbed her by the ponytail and dragged her into the pool. After a few moments, staff realized that he was not releasing her. Um, and patrons were ushered out. Everyone, just the show was shut down immediately. Um, by the time that they were able to retrieve her body, she was long gone. Um, the orca had toyed with her so violently that part of her scalp was legitimately torn from her head. Her jaw was broken, she had fractured vertebrae, and had a dislocated elbow and a dislocated knee. Wow. That's intense. He was also, he was the biggest whale in any of the sea worlds at that time, too. He was like 12,000 pounds. Yeah. So. You know, I watch some of these videos, and I try to hold my breath while they're under. Mm-hmm. And I just can't do it. Like, yeah. I don't know how they did it. I have no idea. It's so intense. Um, they have that video of her specific attack all over YouTube. Yeah. It is all over. Um, And there's a lot of other videos, too. One thing that I found on YouTube that was very heartbreaking to listen to, I think I sent it to you. I'm not sure, though. I send you a lot of stuff. Um, Stuff sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But the police interview with Dawn's best friend and coworker, Laura, she had been the person who was able to retrieve Dawn's body from Tillicum. Um, The video that I found was Death at SeaWorld, eyewitness interview with Laura Cervic. Cervic? I don't know last names. I don't know. I can't. Um, it's really sad <laughs> to retrieve your best friend's dead body from like a whale that you had also worked with. Yeah, and it's not... It's mangled, yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> like It's yeah. not like a nice retrieval. She was able to get him to just let go at some point, though, which I guess that was good. She didn't have to... Working with him for so long, I guess he kind of... Yeah. What was weird was after the incident, SeaWorld kind of tried to put the blame on Dawn herself. I saw that. Yeah. They're like, well, she shouldn't have been wearing a ponytail, but all of the trainers wore ponytails. Yeah. So that was weird. It... In a lot of these situations, it seems like SeaWorld is always trying to shift the blame. Especially, oh, no, our security cameras didn't catch the death of Daniel Dukes. 
Shut up, SeaWorld. Um, there's also a video of a separate orca attack that I found super amazing. Um, also from SeaWorld Orlando, but it was from 2006 where the whale grabs the trainer's foot and drags him under. Um, and the whale kept resurfacing and just staying still. And the trainer was super calm the whole time. He didn't panic. He just stayed there with the whale. And he did his best to catch his breath before the whale would take them under again. That's incredible. I would not be able to keep my cool. <laughs> no, I had goosebumps watching that video. Yeah, it's, it's intense. And um, finally, during one of the resurfaces, the orca let go. And the trainer just, again, calmly stayed with the whale and then slowly like started moving towards his dorsal fins to get an escape. And once he was far away, he fucking booked it. And the whale still was trying to go after him. Did you see that? Yeah. Did that they was... <sighs> say intense. his injuries, what they were? I don't know. No, I think he just, his foot got pretty mangled. Yeah. Because you could kind of see like the blood and like his wetsuit was ripped. Okay. But I didn't dig too much deeper into that. Just, the video itself was so intense. But he was so calm. Yeah, that was the craziest part. I would never. Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, there are countless videos on the internet of orcas attacking, even telecoms incident that resulted in Dawn's death is all over YouTube. Marine mammals in captivity, especially orcas, can suffer psycholo psychological <laughs> damage and become unnaturally aggressive. Animals like this are simply too big and intelligent to be contained in this way. Yeah. The, and they I keep, mean, like, three of them in, a, yeah. in an enclosure. You know what's crazy is you see the show tanks, where the shows happen, which is why they're called the show tanks. Mm -hmm. I didn't need to explain yep. that, but here I am still talking. Um, <laughs> but those are the biggest tanks that they have. And right. they're really not that big. Not for a whale, no. No, especially three of them? Mm -hmm. No, that's... We'll get into, like, spatial stuff in a minute, but that's intense. Yeah. There are marine mammal attractions all over the world. The selling of these animals have has created an intense market for places like SeaWorld and various dolphin... I know, that's a weird... Dolphinariums? Is that... That's We're how... With it. Yeah, dolphinariums. <laughs> I had never heard that until I started watching one of the documentaries. It's like, oh my god, it's weird. Um, but yeah, we'll probably get into like a little bit of the finances later on, because it is a huge market. Um, dolphinariums are aquariums specifically for dolphins, although the businesses themselves may be larger than just the dolphinarium and include other marine life. So like, it could be also. Like, SeaWorld, a portion of SeaWorld is a dolphinarium kind of thing. But the whole thing isn't a dolphinarium. You feel me? I feel you. Okay. Um, so, they could also have rides, other attractions, just like a SeaWorld with their rides and stuff. Um, there are dolphinariums all over the world. 35 in Japan alone. Several in China, Iran, Turkey, and South Korea. One in Egypt, Israel... And Armenia, 11 in Spain, 4 in Ukraine, 4 in France, 3 in Italy, 2 in Germany, and so many more just all over. Wow. And I barely even scratched the surface of... Yeah, it's almost like every major country has at least one. 
which, you know, tourism and stuff, but it's not, it's not great. Um, there are eight dolphinariums in Russia, with the most prominent being the St. Petersburg Dolphinarium, which is discussed at length in the Netflix documentary Born to be Free. Really good. I watched it like three times this month. I would put it on before bed and then <laughs> fall asleep. I don't think I ever saw the ending, but <laughs> whatever. They, um, they really got like behind the scenes on stuff there. They were able to get footage of captures of beluga whales. Really? It was very sad. Wow. Probably talk about it a little more when we talk about the capture process, but it's, again, intense. I've said intense like seven times already, but it, it is. is. <laughs> um, in the United States alone, there are 33 locations with a long history of captive dolphins. So, they're all over. Like, it's not... It's not an isolated incident. SeaWorld isn't the only business right. exploiting said animals. I don't know. But they have a lot of health issues when they're in captivity like this, like their lifespan. Uh, definitely decreases. Federal records have shown that marine mammals who were born in captivity died significantly younger. Even beached whales that have been rescued and put into marine attractions live longer than those born in captivity. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. That's so weird. And they, like, SeaWorld will have extensive breeding programs, too. None of them last nearly as long as ones that are just captured from the wild. Wow. It's crazy. Um, an estimated 1,127 bottlenose dolphins have died over the last 30 years or so um, in captivity. Of the approximately 875 dolphins whose age could be determined, more than half never reached the age of 10, and 83% were dead by 20. Well, it's important to know that the natural life expectancy is over 40 years. That is a huge yeah. difference. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's less than half their natural life. Can you imagine only living to be 40? Yeah. Ugh. Um, some female bottlenose dolphins will live longer than males, and some have even been recorded exceeding 60 years of age. That's only 2% of the population, but 60 versus, what, 10 yeah. in captivity? Yeah. That's insane. They could have lived another 50 years. <laughs> Um, captive bred sea lions have a similar problem. Captive bred ones lived three and a half years on average, while sea lions captured from the wild lived about 11.4 years on average. So that is also a big, big difference. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a clear pattern here. Um, and just being in captivity itself is the cause. It depends on the animal itself, but the marine animals need need that different um i can't think of what i'm trying to say they need more stimulation they need the free range capabilities they need all sorts of stuff that they just can't get in captivity yeah all they have is water you yeah know, they probably water and concrete tanks that's yep. not um, and then Shamu, the first of 51 SeaWorld whales with that name, died six years after being captured. Yeah. Isn't that Just intense? Just six years of living. 
Wasn't so he was sad. the original? Yeah, he was the original guy, right? Yep. He was. He was just brought in because they accidentally killed his mom, right? Yeah. 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 So already that's not a great start. Yeah. Just being six years old and dying. Yeah. Uh, in the wild, marine mammals, especially dolphins and whales, live in tight-knit family-based units. Typically, the family bonds within these animals last several years, if not a lifetime. They are extremely intelligent and social and are able to pl play complicated games and with each other, teach each other hunting strategies, and hunt in a cohesive, well-organized group. They even have their own structured language that they use for communication about hunting tactics nearby threats, a desire to play, or an interest to mate. Yeah. That's, I was talking with Sean last night about this, and he was like, I'm not sure if I trust dolphins, because I think they might be smarter than us. Oh, I think they are. I think they are. For sure. It's just a different, it's so hard to measure intelligence of animals, because you're not inside their head. But, yeah. I mean, they can only prove their intelligence through tests we create so it's very it's a different it's kind of intelligence yeah. right it's yeah. very limited um i don't know it's crazy it's just crazy to think about what they're capable of i read something um where they'll because <laughs> puffer fish give off this toxin oh, when they're right, puffed out right. So the dolphins will intentionally puff them out and get high i read that <laughs> You got stoner dolphins out here. <laughs> um, whales and dolphins will travel large distances each day. That's why they don't do well in captivity. Um, they can travel 100 miles in a single day in search of food or for their socialization. Or they can just hang out around one particular area for a few days at a time. Um, they can dive several hundred feet in standard water for half an hour or more. And they usually only spend about 10 to 20% of their time at the surface. Compare that to being in captivity where they're mostly at the surface. Right. <laughs> the tanks aren't nearly deep enough to... I'm getting triggered. <laughs> <laughs> um, whales and dolphins require a three-dimensional space where they can move freely. Up and down, side to side. One study done in 2014 showed that um, one particular male orca spent nearly 70% of his time motionless. Wow. That's... Terrible. That's so sad. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, enclosures are roughly one ten thousandth of a percent of the natural habitat range. So not even one percent. That's Just, so sad. Yeah, let that sink in a minute. That's that's not great. I wouldn't be happy either. Yeah. If I was locked in a closet, essentially. <laughs> that's being shown off too, like Yeah. Like, here, oh. do tricks, that's when we'll feed you, and then you go back in your closet. <laughs> that's sad. Wow. One-tenth of a thousandth, that would be like your smallest sock drawer in a mansion. Oh my god. That would be, that's, that's a good comparison. Just to put it into perspective, that's fucking awful um but if you are interested in learning more about marine mammals and their natural behavior um i found two really good resources one is whalefacts.org and the other was the animal welfare institute 
both of them outlined um, about the animals themselves based on the species, how each animal um, interacts in captivity, the effects, all that. It's a very good resource. Um, so I think we're going to talk about their environment a little bit because that's very important. It's not just small, it's, it's worse than that. <laughs> so a lot of captive marine animals will severely damage their teeth by chewing and rubbing their teeth on the concrete walls or metal gates of their enclosures. Orcas have been known to grind their teeth down to the gums. Isn't that terrible? That's awful. I don't... I so mean, what else are they going to do all day? Yeah. Wow. Uh, walruses often have their tusks removed to prevent tusk breakage. I think that's weird. Do you just, like, they just surgically remove it or what? I didn't get any more information on that because it was one well, in the morning, assume. but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would assume they... They would have to. That's just so weird. Like, that's a natural part of their body to just Isn't remove. that, like, a feeler, too? Like, isn't that how they... I thought so. Like, cat's whiskers? Like, they know... Yeah, I thought so. Hmm. I'm not sure, though. Uh, despite the elimination of traveling dolphin shows in most of the world, they still exist in parts of Asia. Indonesia still has four known traveling shows, where dolphins are trucked from venue to venue and forced to perform in hostili hostility set up plastic pools filled with fresh water and table salt. Transportation in itself is an extremely stressful situation for marine mammals to be in. Yeah, they get super stressed out and they can even have stress-related deaths in transport. So if they're oh, yeah. constantly traveling, and they're not supposed to be in the back of a they're, truck. No, no. <laughs> they're supposed to be able to have all this free-range ocean. Um, <laughs> you can hear the dog crying <laughs> in the back. There she goes. Um, in a lot of cases, there is also minimal stimulation outside of the shows. I don't know about you, but I need stimulation in my life. Um, I can't yeah, just, just, like... stay at home. Yeah, I can't stay at home and look at a blank wall all day. Yeah. I'd be depressed as fuck, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this, as we just said, is a severe problem because dolphins and whales are very social animals that require a lot of stimulation. Um, captive enclosures cannot stimulate the complexity of the oceans. These animals need a complex environment that includes various textures and other features. Concrete wall tanks just don't do the trick. No. Uh, their facilities often provide marine mammals with plastic and rubber toys and ropes and claim these enrich their lives. However, these intimate objects and oft are often ignored and almost no research has been conducted over the years to confirm whether the animals actually engage with them in any beneficial way. Yeah, so that'd be like, I mean, that'd be like throwing a person a tug toy and just, here, this is your... Have some fun. This is what you have for the day. This yeah. is all you get. Um, so we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the capture process itself, which is, I can't handle it. And then um, some of the reasoning behind why they continue to um, be involved in this trade. So stick through the break and learn more sad shit. <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us through the break. 
if you did. Well, if you didn't, you wouldn't be hearing this right now. Um, <laughs> but so we're going to talk about the capture process, which can be kind of brutal. It is not going to lie. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people in the public believe that live captures of marine mammals are a thing of the past. But live capture practically of whales and dolphins continue. Yeah, so a lot of people are like, well, they have breeding programs in these institutions now. That's where all the animals are coming from, and that's not true. Um, the current capture hotspots are Russia for belugas and orcas, and Japan for various dolphin species. Um, Born to be Free, the Netflix documentary that's on there right now, it highlights all of um, the Russian activity with belugas, and it's really sad. <laughs> um, they actually were able to get capture footage of um, like a live capture as it was happening, and essentially they take all of the babies, but first they group all of the belugas um, together, the entire pod, and then they will pick the babies out and then release the adults um, because the adults essentially are too expensive to transport, which is whatever, that's fine. Also, um, they prefer younger marine mammals to be brought into these types of businesses because they're easier to mold, and basically they don't have personalities yet, so they aren't as severely affected. But they still are. <laughs> they still die way their early. Parents and their family. Uh -huh. and, yeah. But when they would release the adults, like the fishermen were kicking them and trying to ride them as far as they could, like it was a fun oh game. Gosh. I was like, you're taking their babies away right now, and now you're beating the shit out of them. They should just. Good times. I mean, it's gonna sound mean, but they should probably just kill them at that point. Yeah. Because they're going to end up sad and depressed and yeah, lonely and they're just going to... Yeah. Because don't, don't they know. spear them too? Sometimes. Um, even the nets can cause yeah. severe physical damage because a lot of the belugas they were releasing had like bloodied up fins mm -hmm. and all sorts of stuff. It's not a gentle process at all. Um, and a lot of them die during... Federal, federal records show that 22 dolphins and whales died during capture in the United States within the last half century. Though federal records more than likely do not accurately reflect the loss of life, as many deaths are not reported and the bodies are buried or left at sea. Yeah, so also in the Born to be Free documentary, I'm going to keep bringing it up because it was really good and I watched it so many times, um, but the guy who took them the footage of the capture um he also took them to the location where they were holding them and showed them all sorts of stuff that he probably wasn't supposed to um and he even took them to a body that they buried of one of the baby belugas that oh died my gosh. and they just buried it in a trash dump because they didn't want any record of the death wow so that happens. <laughs> oh, I also read that um, they use the bodies for fertilizer and dog food. For fertilizer and dog food? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're right. 
because um, there are a couple different um, capture methods, and one of them, the most brutal one, they do butcher a bunch of them while they're capturing too, which we'll talk about in just a second. Um, but the capture methods typically depend on who's doing them and the depth of the water. The most popular method is using a sign net. I think I'm saying that right. S-E-I-N-E, Zina, if you're German. <laughs> um, but it's essentially this large fish net that is positioned vertically in the water with weights at the bottom and little floaties on top. And it's used in conjunction with a high-speed boat or several boats to chase a pod of animals into shallow waters and then encircle them with a net. Um, this is the method that was used in the documentary that I just explained where they were kicking and riding and whatever. Um, but the net is then closed around the animals and pulled very tightly at the bottom, trapping them. And they usually thrash around, can become entangled, they can sometimes drown. And then they're usually manhandled into slings and hauled on board a capture vessel or herded into shallow sea cages. Um, the one that they had footage of, they just tied the nets to the side of the boat and then just traveled like that. Oh. So that was weird. I'm sure wildly confusing for the baby belugas. Yeah. yeah. Beluga calves. Whatever. But... Uh, another one is hoop nets. They're also used to capture dolphins who swim close to boats. A handheld hoop attached to a breakaway net is lowered over the head and entangles the animal when he or she moves away. The dolphin is then hoisted into the boat. I'm a, honestly, I'm a little impressed by the strength these I, people yeah, have to I was have. Just say. But my God, that's well, they have they have like eight people, don't they? Yeah, they do have a they, bunch of people, yeah. but that's, that's still intense to lift a whole dolphin yeah. on your ball. <laughs> uh. Oh, this one's the worst. Probably the most brutal capture method is the drive hunt, where pods of animals once spotted are chased and drowned, driven towards shore using boats and noise. Bays with narrow necks are typically chosen so that once close to shore, a net can be extended across the mouth, cutting off escape. Once confined, the exhausted animals are scrutinized for suitability for captive, mm -hmm. while the rest are either butchered for meat and other products, some will be released. Yeah, so can you imagine being the lucky ones that get away? Oh but all gosh, your family's your dead. Friends, family, everyone. Yeah, because we said before, <clears throat> dolphins and whales especially live in family pods. Mm -hmm. So, all your family's dead. But you're free. So that's and fine. traumatized from yeah. seeing all that. So, I don't know, man. I don't know what they would use dolphin meat for. It's kind of like the shark fin well, soup yeah, that we talked yeah. about, where, like... It's such an exotic type of meat. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how there's yeah. a market for it. But um, So let's get into the reasoning behind all of this. A lot of it is money. Um, but industry officials try to argue that it's, oh, it's for education or it's for conservation. Um, some industry officials have repeatedly said that although many of the animals have not fared well, they've served a higher purpose. 
So, essentially, well, they did bad, and they died, and they didn't have a fulfilling life as an animal, but, you know, they worked well for us. Oh, man. Uh, if people knew the truth, they wouldn't buy a ticket. It's all about the money. Um, that was from Rick O'Berry. He was uh, one of the dolphin hunters. Oh, yeah? Yep. Yeah. I, um... We were talking about this before. We want to go see the animals, but we can't see these animals. <laughs> like, we can't support the kind of, yeah. you know, we know that it's not a good quality life, but I don't know. Some people don't get it. Other people don't care. That's the worst part. Yeah. Or they just don't know. Yeah. Some people advocate that having these animals in captivity can help with research and conservation efforts. However, just exhibiting animals like these can be considered conser conservation. Only 5 to 10% of zoos and attractions are involved in substantial conservation programs. Yeah, so the conservation excuse, I think some have the intent to do well and, well, oh, well, we'll take them in, we'll learn about their behavior, whatever, so that we can better conserve them, but... I don't, I don't think... Or, like, the rehab part, you know? They bring them in and try and help, but mm -hmm. I don't know if it's actually helping them. Yeah, I think... The stress of them moving. Right. That's what does it. I think SeaWorld um, started their rehabilitation program and, like, really kicked it into high gear after Blackfish came out in 2013, like, in an attempt to kind of try to redeem yeah. their business. But... And I think they do good work when they don't keep them. Right. You know, I mean, they do have good on-staff veterinarians that will help treat wounds and then determine when to release, like, sea lions and stuff. They do a lot of sea lion rescues, which is great, but, you know, they're also keeping orcas <laughs> in right, tiny tanks. Right. So it's hard to, it's hard to separate the two, um. but... Husbandry practices in most zoos, dolphinaria and aquaria, frequently separate offspring from their mothers long before they would separate from each other in the wild. This has resulted in many captive bred animals lacking essential survival and productive skills. Yeah, so that's terrible in itself because you're depriving them of their natural upbringing, basically. So they can't develop the skills they would need if they were ever released into the wild again. Right. So, you know, not great. But um, most people advocate that captive marine mammals are part of a larger education initiative as well. But in a 2018 international survey, respondents who supported holding crustaceans crustaceans in <laughs> captivity were significantly more likely to believe crustacean conservation was not important, which is not consistent with the public display industry's argument that their facilities educate the public about the urgency of conservation efforts. Yeah. Um, watching captive behavior does not at all represent the animal's natural behavior. There's a hair. Natural behavior <laughs> in the wild. Um, and that makes the education-centric point of view very misleading because you aren't actually learning their real behaviors. You aren't witnessing 
how that species would actually right. interact. Um, if someone wanted to learn about a specific marine mammal and its behaviors, like what it eats, how it hunts, its mating rituals, its migration patterns, all of the most crucial things that make them the animal that they are, you can't learn any of that by watching an animal swim around in a tank. So, in it, that sense, a captive animal would be virtually useless. Yeah, uh, even with a recent surge in captive marine mammal research in the last decade, it remains the case that only a small percentage, less than 15% of the research being conducted on marine mammals utilizes captive animals as study subjects. Yeah, so they're for entertainment. They aren't they, for education. No. Not at all. So it's a nice idea, I think, but it's not, um, it's not one being put into action. And two, it can't be put into action because it's not, it's not their real behavior. So you can't necessarily learn from it. You can mm. learn about their body functions and stuff like that by like dissecting them when they're dead. But, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's worth it in the end. No, you're just basically watching them do tricks. Yeah. You're not learning anything or... Yeah. Well, and even, like, we kind of talked about, like, the health issues that would come up or, like, their environment. Male orcas, their dorsal fins, have you seen uh, when yeah, they flip over? Yeah. yeah, that's only something that happens in captivity. It happens in less than 1% of wild male orcas, I but it happens in 100% yeah. of all of captive male orcas. I think that's when they're, like, depressed. Yeah, it's, it? it's like a sadness yeah. fin droop. Yeah. Um, but also I think if I'm correct, I could very well be wrong. It also has to do with like the spatial oh, stuff yeah, too. It I could be too. Read that. Yeah. Yeah. Where there's just not enough space. Yeah. I'm bummed out now. Yeah, it's so sad. I'm really bummed. Um, there are all sorts of unique human hazards that cause the marine mammal deaths. Um, besides just them in their captive environment, whether it's during capture, transport, or when they're at the marine attractions themselves, there's capture shock, where they just essentially go into cardiac arrest, <laughs> mm, so sad. and then they'll just die. They can drown during capture, which we mentioned. Um, there's stress-related deaths, so again, they'll just be so stressed out, they'll go into cardiac arrest. <sighs> it's sad. I'm really getting myself bummed out here. <laughs> um, and then ingesting bad things. So some marine mammal, mammals, as well as fish and other animals in captivity, can ingest things that they aren't supposed to. So that can ultimately result in their death. Yeah, so like if someone throws trash into the tank or something. Right. Or like someone, the a trainer loses their watch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stuff. Um, and then if staff isn't careful, they can accidentally put wrong um, chemicals, like pool cleaning chemicals, oh. and then the animals can get poisoned. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff that can happen, and it's just not great. Um, but it makes everyone a lot of money. <laughs> uh, Cuba is the leading export of dolphins, although Japan is pretty close too in Russia for orcas and belugas. Russia is big on belugas. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Um, again, in that documentary, <laughs> I watched, they were able to film, like, they got a tip of this beluga whale being transported to just a park in Moscow. And so they were able to go and, like, film the entire transport of the whale arriving. It was just in a small tank. Um, and they just hoisted her up and put her in this three-meter deep pool. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. With no covering, no protection from the sun, nothing like that. And um, beluga whales are actually cold-water whales. They can't... They can't handle sun. They easily get damaged. Like their skin, they'll have spots and stuff. And they do the same thing in Israel when they ship the belugas from Russia to Israel. Um, There was one specific shipment that they mentioned where all of the belugas had died within three months because they were like burnt up. Oh my gosh. So. You think they want to protect them. Right. Like they are expensive animals. Yeah. This is an expensive trade. Wow. How much is it to lease a whale? <laughs> $2,000 a month. Really? Was that from SeaWorld or? Um, I believe so. It was uh, Shamu. Shamu. Oh, yeah. They... Oh, in San Diego. The one in San Diego. Yeah. Okay, so it was... How do you even lease a whale? I don't know. Oh, so, like, they would transport him so other parks could lease him for 2000 a month? Yeah. Um, oh. Griffin, I don't remember his full name, but he was also part of the, the group that was capturing Shamu. Shamu. Mm-hmm. And he kind of gave off a bunch of information that he, I don't think he was supposed to. Yeah, there's a lot um, of people in this trade that are like, I'm just going to give you this information because I don't think it's yeah, right, yeah. but I'm also going to get fired if you tell people. <laughs> yeah. Worth it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, China. China's pretty top-notch. Yeah, today they're principal market for marine mammal attractions with the number of operational facilities now reaching 79 as of last year, 2019. So they have almost 80... Marine mammal attractions. attractions with whales, dolphins, sea lions. And that's just China. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. That's pretty intense. I don't like that. No. <laughs> they all get coronavirus. <laughs> oh. oh. That would that's almost be better than some bad. of the stuff they experience. Yeah, uh, I would think so. Um, so, about how many people visit... The year. Um, 50 million people. That's a lot of people, yet. And um, attendance rates have declined since Blackfish was released. Really? Yeah, That's big good. time. Good. Yeah. Um, I think after that, um, I think after that documentary release, that's when SeaWorld Ohio shut down. I know that they've yeah. been... There's been a lot of call to action for getting rid of the whales, getting rid of the parks, all sorts of stuff, and attendance has gone down significantly, so I wonder if that's true for, like, the Shedd Aquarium, too, or if it was just SeaWorld, because SeaWorld and Tilikum were, like, the main focus of right. Blackfish. I don't know. 
But they bring in at least one billion dollars a year. Uh, see, it's so much money. At least, yeah. That's so much money. I don't like that. No, it's <laughs> sad. They're just essentially here for our entertainment. That's awful. I get it. Like, I get wanting to give the public a way to be interested in something like that. Because mm -hmm. I know a lot of marine biologists maybe would go to these kinds of parks as kids and then decide, oh, I want to be involved in this. Because there really is no other way for most people to have any type of interaction with an animal of right. this caliber. But right. I don't know. Like, I get it. But also, stop. <laughs> I read that... They're supposed to let someone know every time a dolphin dies, and they haven't been. Yeah. So that's how they're still yeah, up there and was, running. There was something in there that yeah, said, like, there was one dolphin that was accounted for for, yeah. like, three or four years after it died in federal records. Yeah. And they were like, oh, well, it was a, um, it was the secretary's error or whatever, but... You work with them, you should know. Right. Also, you see a lot more than just the occasional error. There's just a lot of poor documentation and few um, regulations to control it. Oh. It's not great. Yeah. Um, so Nemo was in California, and he died in June 2000. Was but he, he was a sea still... lion or a... A sea lion, yeah. Okay. He was still listed in government records three years later as that he was alive. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. I'm wondering what animals they have come in that they don't necessarily document right. either. If, they're, if one dies and they just switch it out for another one and say that that's the same one. I mean, you said... Well, that's what they did there with Shamu. Shamu, yeah. There was 51 of them. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe some of the switches were under the radar and they just kept the same animal listed even yeah. though one died. That yeah. would be interesting to find the truth about, but I think that's all we have for today. Um, we're going to try to try to get into the shed aquarium to get a behind the scenes tour, but I don't know how well that's going to go. They have like yeah, a volunteer program and everything and do they, they do background checks and all sorts of stuff, so I don't know. Let's might, do it this summer. Let's do it this summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it might be a little might be a little tricky to get in and film everything, but why do you have something on your background? I'll try. No, no. I'm I'm squeaky clean. <laughs> <laughs> I did steal a shopping cart once, but I didn't get caught. And then oh. we took it back. So So you don't really steal it. Yeah, I mean we did, <laughs> but we got pulled over. But then we were like, oh, we just found oh. it on the highway. We were, we were going to return it. Oh, my <laughs> And then gosh. we just took it back. <laughs> but I don't know. Um, so if you have any topic suggestions, have any more information for us on this topic, or any comments, whatever, be kind. <laughs> Please. Please. Uh, tweet us at ointellects. Follow us on Instagram. Like us on Facebook. And check out the YouTube channel which hopefully we'll have videos about this kind of stuff up soon. I don't know. It'll be fine. Everything's fine. Just check us out. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Okay, bye.